0: Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Meyerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. This morning, we're talking to Roland Ramata, who is the director of RR Compliance Associates and also a partner to Boston Tullis. Roland has over 10 years experience working in compliance, initially in the SRA field before moving to the FCA regulated sectors. His experience includes directorship of independent brokers, working for the Financial Ombudsman Service and in the last few years providing compliance consultancy to the insurance and financial services sector. Roland's focus and passion is in designing and developing bespoke compliance practices for firms using automated technology and IT solutions to drive resource requirements for efficient compliance practices. Welcome, Roland. Good morning, Roland. Thank you very much for joining us on the Insurance Brokers Podcast on this really sunny, early Sunday morning. I'm delighted to be talking to you all about FCA compliance, uh, particularly across the current pandemic and what responses the FCA are requiring of small brokers. So, welcome.
1: Good morning, Sarah. Thank you very much for having me. And hopefully we'll be able to make it an exciting topic today.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Let's give it our best shot. For those of you that um, didn't join us on our webinar that we did on Friday, it's still available on the Boston Tullis website for bespoke bookings for us to do for your brokerage. So please do get in touch if that's of interest. And let's jump in with the most obvious question. But what do you think of the regulators' response to the current pandemic, Roland?
1: Very good question, and um, I'll try to keep it relatively short and to the point. In terms of the FCA, they were fairly quick off the ground to assess and try to support consumers as well as firms uh, during this crisis. Um, Naturally, the uncertainty in the nature of this has made it somewhat difficult But the FCA has made a good number of publications, created a dedicated uh, web page for businesses as well as consumers on their website, and firms are able to sign up to COVID-19 related newsletters as well. Uh, We would encourage firms to do so if they haven't done it yet, as there are a lot of changes are happening and support being put forth by the FCA, and they don't follow the normal consultation route of being a publication feedback And then a final policy statement, that being done over months. So if you have a look at some of them, one of them was published last Thursday. And if it's all okay, it will come into force on Monday. So in terms of of the support put forward, it is generally wide ranging. So in terms of senior managers regime, there are a number of temporary rule changes whereby firms don't have to report everything to the FCA. Also, if necessary, they can appoint non-approved individuals as senior, into a senior management function, subject to obviously communicating with the regulator. So there are a lot of, uh, lot of flexibility offered, but we would remind firms to always be mindful of the consumers and the policyholders on the other end, as these flexibilities are meant to protect them and support them as well as the firm. So whatever action is being taken, the key message is really always, always, always document those actions.
0: That's um, really interesting. And actually what we'll do is we'll put the links to the SCA COVID response and any relevant ICO documentations in the show notes below. So please have a look if you are interested. You just mentioned there that the consultation that was published on the 14th of May, due to come in tomorrow if all goes to plan, and is broadly surrounding the measures that uh, the SCA require firms to take in order to support clients in financial difficulty. So what are your thoughts on that? What sort of things are they proposing? And do you think it will come into effect tomorrow?
1: So I believe it will. And even if for whatever reason it wouldn't happen tomorrow, it will certainly happen over the week. So it's absolutely vital for firms to keep an eye on it. In terms of the support packages or measures offered by the FCA, I think it makes sense. In terms of logistics, um, it, some firms may find it difficult to implement them fully and other firms may already have done it. So it really depends on the line of product that one broker offered to the customers as well as obviously the general arrangement for the firm and the type of customers they deal with. In terms of the specific measures that's put forth, again, it's quite wide ranging and they are dedicated to support people in financial difficulties. So one of the key elements here is that this isn't something that firms have to roll out to the general public. So be mindful of who it relates to and and obviously assess your customer profile accordingly. But to be specific, the measures include so-to-speak requirements on firms to reassess the policyholder's risk profile. To give a practical consideration, individuals with car car insurance as such. Some people may pay additional premium because they use their car for work purposes. Now, naturally, if individuals don't travel to have face-to-face meetings or to the Mm -hmm. office, then that may mean some reduction in their premium. So, The FCA would expect firms to have that flexibility in place now and offer offer the possibility to policyholders to reduce the premium by adjusting the risk that they present to the insurer. Other measures include uh, requirements or expectations on firms to review premium finance and associated interest rates to make sure, obviously, that's still affordable by the policyholder. And it goes into potentially offering much like the same as we've seen with with mortgages, payment holidays or payment breaks of up to three months where it is necessary. So bearing in mind that these are obviously to support the individuals at the very end of the product chain, Firms would need to be mindful of the financial implication that has on them and the affordability. So it's not as straightforward as simply sending out an email, but it's something that firms will need to deal with over the course of this week.
0: And obviously that requires buy-in from the other end. The broker is the negotiator in the middle. So how does that affect... You mentioned that logistics, it might be quite logistically difficult for some firms, and I'm just wondering about that negotiation process. Presumably premium credit... Uh, providers insurers etc are all similarly bound by this so required from their end to offer the broker is the negotiator in the middle
1: yes typically speaking and we have seen it with a couple of clients of ours predominantly in the commercial sector so slightly different where these discussions have already taken place and and it's coming to the closure it doesn't necessarily happen in one day and it's not going to be a one hour phone call with the underwriter or the lender, but those discussions will need to happen as to what flexibility is available to the end user or the customer, policyholder, and um, you know what is the broker's role in that respect. Because the broker won't be able just to change the pricing matrix on its own, and that's a topic that that needs to be appreciated.
0: What um, other things do you think have you come across that could prove to be a logistical problem? for brokers in this circumstance and what can they do to help themselves or what, you know, what external help can they bring in? Well,
1: in terms of maybe not so much a logistical difficulty, but in terms of difficulty is to stay abreast of changes that's happening pretty much overnight these days in terms of regulatory requirements. We're both talking about the FCA and the ICO's expectation. So not only being compliant with all the rules that have been there prior to this outbreak, but also to remain compliant with the customer's best interest as well as protecting individual data. So, whilst most of the brokers probably will be working on the risk transfer, one of the key difficulties that, that we've come across is in terms of client money where brokers were to handle that themselves directly under their own permission, there is no flexibility offered in rule changes. So everybody really will have to comply with the rules as they are out there. To be more generic, it's really just to assess the new risks that the firms are are facing these days, the risks that there are coming out of um, issues such as key individuals within the firm and their availability. The risks associated with what if a senior manager or the director becomes unavailable, but also risks associated with financial arrangements at the moment. What if the policyholder is unable to pay the premium? And obviously that includes the turnover of the firm, then internal threshold conditions. So what we have seen on our end is an increased request from firms to do an informal review of their arrangements as it stands at the moment. And what typically includes is to look at effectively the their risk assessment as it is at the moment, make sure it includes everything, and then review some of the associated processes to make sure it has A, the right level of flexibility, to remain compliant with the current decentralized workforce, but at the same time remain compliant with the underlying rules where there is no flexibility offered at the moment. The second key element of those reviews is to do with data protection. For firms, and I think sometimes probably justifiably so, firms' first thought doesn't seem to be targeting how data is being handled from from individuals' home. But that that discussion needs to take place, and we oftentimes end up delivering a a refresher training to to those individuals to remind them, you know, you're still handling very sensitive information, and at the same time remind them the drastical increase in cybercrime-related activities. So firms really need to be mindful of that.
0: Yeah, you make a really good point there. The working from home element and the risk that that brings in to everybody actually is quite significant just building on what you've just said there how what do you think the key things are that firms should consider relating to data protection when they are working from home
1: so when individuals uh, it's it's probably a topic on its own to be honest and um, we could talk about it for a very long time but in terms of key elements firms would really need to look at what type of data is being made available to individuals when they work from home. So typically speaking, when someone is working in the office, probably the the user privileges are more relaxed because it's in a safe environment and individuals are able to look at a range of personal information for various reasons, whether it's complaint or claim or sale or renewal. What we have seen as of late when we engage with our clients is that they Adjust their user privileges to tie it down pretty much to the very, very narrow channel of what that individual needs to do. And if that individual needs to have access to another data, then that would need to be raised. So they put in place a control that gives the security that on individuals can only see data that they must.
0: And how easy is that? Because I'm thinking of some of our clients and particularly the smaller brokers. That requires access to an IT, their IT department, which is almost always outsourced rather than internal. And then you've got another organisation to deal with and they've got their own priorities and problems. And it just, it's one of those things that it sounds so simple to do, adjust your user uh, allowances. But actually in practice, what do you need to be asking for? How do you need to?
1: In practice, firms, we encourage firms to have a risk-based approach to monitor data flow within their business under the current environment. Typically speaking, they would need to do, do it um, anyway. So one of the examples that we've seen where, where, where a firm was was a small brokerage, so relying on on access sheets and, and an email account, one of the simplest approach that, that, that we proposed is effectively to have a look at the user log every now and then and just satisfy the firm that the user is indeed doing what they meant to do. And there isn't anything that would be out of norm. So what time is the email account being looked into? What type of emails are being sent out of it? And it might sound a little bit draconian and a little bit harsh. And we're not saying that this should be done on an ongoing basis at all times, but it's effectively a risk-based approach. So once the firm has identified no risk or no concerns, this can be a little bit more relaxed, but it's very, very important when, when a large amount of personal data is being transacted, the firms remain exposed to any potential regulatory action should the worst happen. And I'm not talking about individuals' malicious actions. I'm talking about the, the enhanced cybercrime that's currently on the market due to COVID, whether it's phishing, whether it's hacking or, or other form of attacking. One of the, the points that directly relates to it is what kind of hardware those remote employees are using. Is it that they bring their own devices or is it a laptop or a PC provided by the firm? There is a material difference, obviously, because if it's personal equipment ready for personal use, then how would the firm make sure that all the relevant protection is, is in place and up to date on that, so antivirus and, and all the others? And if it's provided by the firm, then obviously there is a slightly lower risk of, of the laptop being used for unauthorized purposes. Let's put it that way. So it's a, it's a complex element. Like we started, we would advocate that firms have a look at how personal data is being accessed and then used by individuals and try to put some form of a relatively simplistic control in place to satisfy themselves. It's okay.
0: Absolutely. And if, anybody needs any help to talk through this, I'm sure Roland would be available to have a, a chat being one of your, your key areas.
1: Absolutely, even, even just a brief email and we'll try to get back to that as quickly as possible. We do have expert compliance consultants on our team who deal with data protection in an IT environment as well. So we'll be able to provide some help or guidance.
0: It's quite an overwhelming thought process. It's like a can of worms that you open and you could get completely overwhelmed with it, particularly when you're also trying to balance the influx of claims and the problems you might be or might not be having there, worries over staff's mental health because they're all either furloughed or working from home and you haven't got that contact. So if you are trying to manage all of these things, yeah, I I can see how that's quite overwhelming. What would you say to decrease the overwhelm in relation to compliance for brokers to be taking account of in terms of what flexibility is available to them under the FCA rules?
1: Well, it's a very good question. Love to give a very simple answer to it. I think the approach um, I would recommend or advocate, probably is a better word, to brokers to somehow ease that pressure surrounding compliance is to always think about your customer, at the end user, the policyholder, and just, just kind of start the thought process from what we're doing now, is it the best thing for, for our policyholder? And that is the underlying question. And the, the same goes for the FCA, as well as data protection. What is in place now? Are we, are we happy with it? And are our customers getting the best possible deal? And, and are we che- treating them fairly? In terms of remaining compliant, obviously, wherever possible, stay compliant with the rules as they were. So try not to be too much caught up as to temporary changes to rules and additional support. If you can run the business as normal, naturally, that's the best idea. But if there is any any slight deviation that you are aware of or, or you have to make to make sure you're treating your customers fairly, Always, always, always document it. Naturally, for certain areas, such as client money, you'll have to let the regulator know and that should always happen in advance. But if you don't, then just have a running commentary as to why you're doing it this way, the reasoning, why it's supporting customer best interest, and so on. So so long as you do that, it won't necessarily have it won't necessarily have a major impact on, on your compliance risk. It will, but it will negate and it will give you the, the right grounding as to why you've not taken those actions. Apart from that, it really is down to risk management, knowing, knowing what's happening within the business and having, having that management information coming to the board of directors, all the individuals to satisfy themselves that yes, everything is happening the right way. So eliminating stress as much as possible is pretty much down to making sure everything is still working for the customer. We're doing the absolute best we can. And if there is anything unusual in terms of what we do compared to what we used to, have that thoroughly documented.
0: And um, when you talk about documentation, how de- not detailed, can you use a pen and paper? Yes. Or do you need yeah. to be...
1: So I wouldn't advocate over-engineering anything. Naturally, compliance is not there to hinder decision-making. It's there to support the firm and naturally grow with the firm. When I say documentation, yes, if somebody has the time, it can be made a flash word document or presentation. But at the end of the day, pen and paper, sticky notes, it's just fine, so long as, as it says what it is and why, that's fine.
0: And presumably you're able to lay your hands on it if asked in the future
1: yeah it would need to be filed away um, the FCA may ask for uh, for these documents in the future by way of evidence so please make sure it is it is filed away and kept
0: fabulous so if you are and I know you have a specific experience working in um, independent brokers and with the financial ombudsman so if you were to give Roland Ramata's top five tips for insurance brokers right now, what would they be? And talk us through the thinking behind it.
1: Well, each firm is different, right? So um, it may be more or less relevant to some firms, but it will be relevant to all firms. The underlying message from the regulators, any of them, is protecting the public and the industry. So customer welfare and integrity of the financial services sector. The top tip from us and from me in particular is to, doesn't matter what the action is, have it appropriately documented. And I'm saying appropriately because there is no point now having to document every discussion and record every phone call. It's issues that probably outside of the norm or the firm's, slightly outside of the firm's risk appetite, document why one's doing it. Why is it in the customer's best interest? Simple pen and paper, write it down or open a a note app on a laptop and just write it there. Wherever it's necessary, always review the risk register and, and leave the appropriately detailed information there as well. The second one would be to be mindful of data protection. Always be mindful of data protection. Firms, we recommend that firms look at Where is their data at the moment? Where is it being accessed from? Where is it being displayed? Again, if someone remotely is able to print personal information, the firm should make sure that secure shredding facilities are also available as a minimum. And again, just have a look at the risk posed in someone accessing your data remotely. So what computer do they use? Where do they leave? Is it a shared accommodation? And what type of data, what quantity of data they look at? And finally, is to be mindful of the threshold conditions. So, as a regulated firm, every firm has to comply with the threshold conditions. So, having the PI in compliance with MIPRU requirements. So, if you would get a renewal notice with an enhanced premium or enhanced access, firms may need to, we have seen this happening, firms may need to have additional capital set aside. Also, we can see how insurers start to exclude pandemic in their PI cover. So um, they potentially cause concerns with compliance. If anyone needs any help, feel free to get in touch. Uh, But that's something firms will need to keep in mind. Having the appropriate amount of capital set aside for the threshold conditions, again, one of the as a going concern naturally, but just in terms of current relevance, even if firms take a loan, any type of loans available from the government to, to have them through the current pandemic, it still won't go towards their threshold, minimum capital requirements. So be mindful of that, please, So when the RMAR is being returned or submitted. And finally, probably the fourth one now, employee welfare. Just don't forget about that. Stay in touch with your people. Make sure they're happy. They know what they need to do give them the right level of support, even if it's just a quick chat on a weekly or daily basis.
0: Uh, really, really helpful, Roland. Thank you very much for your time. Is there um, anything else you'd like to add in terms of, you know, what sort of things you're doing for clients at the moment? Any other thoughts before we finish up? It's
1: a constantly changing situation, so there isn't really an overarching Sentence I can give to firms that would make this problem go away, unfortunately, but one of the things that we've seen with our clients and heard uh, general industry is that firms started to look at a permanent solution to this temporary situation. So firms started to look at how to automate certain functions within the firm, be it its HR be it its, uh, compliance activity or even risk onboarding. One of the things that we also encourage our clients with to try to look at what you do and identify what you can automate. So should this problem come again, you won't be, or firms won't be that caught out by it.
0: And that's actually your, your passion, the automation of, of
1: compliance systems. Indeed, indeed, that's something we're passionate and focus on and I thoroughly enjoy promise i've got a private life um (laughs) but yeah this is the element where we really come into our We we look at what people actually do in front of their desk on a day-to-day basis and see what can be automated without compromising the quality of that work or reliability of that work so resources can be better utilized and it's particularly important within a small firm
0: that, that was my next question was this sounds quite grand in terms of size of firm that would be interested by that kind of service is is it something that you do for smaller uh, firms as well as larger firms
1: absolutely so it goes without without restriction in terms of gwp or how many people a firm employs naturally if you're talking about a firm with probably less than 10 employees we tend to see that this is even more beneficial because obviously there isn't that abundance of resources available within the firm. So just by taking out uh, probably a couple of hours a day in total to do read effectively what would be administration and generating reports, that can make a dent because those times could be better spent on business development or retention or, or surveying customers for renewal projects. So it delivers a huge benefit when it comes to larger firms the, the 10 plus to probably 50-ish it delivers a slightly different kind of benefit it delivers the benefit of oversight of knowing what's happening and being able to rely on the data that's coming in so that, that kind of added security that the particularly the SMNCR regime requires of a firm fabulous
0: what do you work with over 50 so up to the two Three four hundred plus employees.
1: We have, and we've got a client now who, well, potential client who will be joining our club. If I can say that, mm-hmm. very exciting. And we will be we will be looking at um, to be specific, we will be looking at the training arrangements and the platforms being used to de- deliver them.
0: Fabulous! Sounds very exciting in the uh, compliance world indeed indeed thank you very much Yeah, thank you very much much appreciated for your time i hope you have a wonderful rest of sunday
1: thank you very much and i wish the same to all
0: thank you